Hi, everyone. This is Drew Perode here, executive producer of the Broken Brain docu-series. And I'm happy to announce that we have a very special guest today, Dr. Robin Burzen. Dr. Robin Burzen is the founder and CEO of Parsley Health, a healthcare startup dedicated to transforming medicine as we know it. The practitioners at Parsley under Dr. Burzen's leadership, combine the best of conventional primary care with the functional approach to health. And just yesterday, Dr. Burzen and her team made a very special announcement that they completed their second round in funding and received $10 million to help them take functional medicine to the next level. Super exciting, and congratulations on that, Dr. Burzen. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Burson lives in New York City with her husband, son, two rescue dogs. And because she's an amazing person, also a friend of mine, and also a featured expert on our Broken Brain series, we've invited her to our new podcast to dive deeper into topics around brain health, biohacking, and how to feel good. Dr. Burson, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Dr. Burson, You're so good at helping people understand complicated topics. It's why you and your team, it's what you and your team do best at Parsley. I want to talk about a subject that a lot of people during the series had a little bit of confusion about, which is intermittent fasting. We're going to just jump right into it. So let's do it. Because you're great at breaking things down to help our audience understand what is intermittent fasting and who's it good for, and are there any benefits to brain health? Absolutely. So intermittent fasting has gotten a lot of press lately, and I think rightly so. And it's simply the idea that you take breaks between meals, and you might make those breaks a little bit longer, so that your body has time to break down and go through its carbohydrate stores so it can get to burning fat. And there's a few benefits to burning fat in this way once you've gone through the carbohydrates that your body stores that last, you know, a little over a day or so. And the benefits are many and they're numerous and it transforms the body from burning glucose to burning fat and producing something called ketones. And these ketones are chemicals, let's just call them that, they're natural chemicals in the body that we're discovering have numerous health benefits. both for lowering inflammation, for helping cells repair, potentially for longevity, potentially anti-cancer, potentially for metabolism, and also all of those things we know benefit brain health. And so intermittent fasting can look different for different people. Typically, what we recommend as a starting off point is a 16-hour fast. So for everyone in general, we recommend you know having at least a 12-hour break between your evening meal and your next morning's meal. That's kind of a general principle of health. Give the digestive system time to rest where it's not good for us to always be eating. Now, if you want to try intermittent fasting, what you might do is instead of fasting overnight just for 12 hours, say 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., you would extend that and not eat anything until, say, noon. And that would be 16 hours instead of 12. And if you do this, for many people, they are able to get into that fat-burning state. And there's a lot of short-term benefits, and then there's some potentially longer-term benefits. And so on the shorter term, people find, and this isn't always true for everyone, but some people find uh, that it's easier for them to maintain a healthy weight that they have more energy and clarity in the morning and throughout the day, uh, that they have less ups and downs in their energy. And then there's some evidence that longer term, this practice can, like I said before, reduce inflammation, reduce oxidative stress in the body, help the body clear up damaged cells, uh, and 
also potentially have anti-cancer and longevity effects. So it's an interesting practice. Now, that's a lot of info. You, you ask, you know, who's it good for and who's it on? And I, there's not too many people for whom I feel this is a bad thing to do. Now, certainly if you're an insulin-dependent diabetic or you have a lot of blood sugar issues and skipping meals is not appropriate for you, uh, you don't want to do that. And you should always talk to your doctor if you have any chronic condition and get testing and make sure that they feel that this practice is right for you. For women, sometimes the practice can, let's just say, be stressful and too much fasting for women can sometimes have a paradoxical effect. And that means that it has the opposite effect of what we want. Uh, it can increase stress and stress hormones like cortisol and actually lead to weight gain instead of weight loss. It can lead to disruptions in female hormones. Now, we see thousands of patients every year at Parsley Health. And I have to say, and, and many of them are women, uh, and we have recommended and uh, supervised intermittent fasting in a lot of women patients. And frankly, many of them do really quite well with it. And it's not, it doesn't disrupt their hormones. It doesn't cause weight gain. It doesn't cause these paradoxical effects. However, in what is known out there about intermittent fasting and also the ketogenic diet, which is where you have at least six, 70% or 75% of your calories coming from fat, there are some cases for whom uh, men and women that just doesn't work. Uh, again, it's paradoxical effect or... And then that tends to be also more so in women than men. So if you're a woman, you just need to be aware of that. And with anything that you practice when it comes to diet and nutrition, you really need to take stock at the beginning, see how you feel, think very clearly about the things that you're looking to change or see, and then try that practice for a while and see how it works. I can't tell you how many people kind of miss that step of that taking stock. Um, at Parsley Health, we developed something called the Parsley Symptom Index, which is our proprietary symptom score and tracker. Uh, and it's a great way for people to take stocks across 10 body domains and then to see their score change over time. You can do that yourself just at home with a pencil and piece of paper. You can write down how you're doing, your energy, your weight, your digestion, your mood, your skin, pain, no pain, uh, things like that. And then you can see how they change when you adopt a practice for a little while. And you know, doing intermittent fasting once uh, probably not going to do that much for you. So you really have to do it on a regular basis to see some benefit. So, so if somebody was trying intermittent fasting and they're trying to take stock over a period of time, if, if it's working for them or not, are there any examples that you might be able to give, especially because you highlighted for, for women, of, of it not working out, that anybody should be aware of if they were going to try it over a period of time? Sure. So for women who are trying intermittent fasting over a period of time, uh, if they're noticing changes in their menstrual cycles, uh, if they're noticing weight gain, if they're noticing mood changes or irritability, those would be the kinds of things that I would look out for and say, hey, maybe this practice isn't working for you or there's some other contextual issues happening that we need to look into. Uh, before. Some underlining issues that might need to be addressed with exactly with the practitioner. Exactly, and that's the thing. I really recommend working with a doctor. You know, so many people, uh, for better or worse, and uh, and I'm all for people experimenting and trying stuff and getting involved with their bodies and excited about their health. Like, could not support that more. And you know, intermittent fasting, again, with rare exceptions, is a quite safe, and and we're not concerned about it. But I always do recommend, you know, work with a doctor, get testing. Uh, understand, take stock and, and get somebody to help you out because we're all a little different and how you write, react to something might not be the way that somebody else does. And that's, that's totally normal. So when you were describing intermittent fasting, you referenced 
ketogenic diet. I'd love to dive into that a little bit deeper. Again, I think that you have this unique ability of making things very simple and easy to understand. A lot of people have heard this term, ketogenic diet. They don't exactly know really what it is. So if we could just explain that. And then what's the um, when it comes to brain health, why is the ketogenic diet often referenced? Absolutely. So again, we've a lot of research recently, um, some really interesting research out of USC and other institutions around the country, understanding how when the body goes from burning carbs, right, burning sugar for energy um, to a state where it's burning fat, it produces these internal chemicals called ketones. And these ketones we're discovering have some really interesting effects on the body. And the theory around that is that, you know, as humans, as we evolved, maybe, you know, um, in our early, early ancestral days, hundreds of thousands of years ago, um, we didn't have, you know, a Whole Foods on every corner or a bodega. We couldn't just walk out the door and get easy calories. Uh, there would be times of starvation and times when we had food and times when we didn't. And if we as humans weren't really adapted well to survive through that by burning through our fat stores, well, we wouldn't be here today, right? It would just be impossible to have survived. The human race would not have survived if we weren't able to burn fat for survival. And so, but not only would it have been a survival mechanism, perhaps the theory goes, there's some benefits to this. And perhaps humans evolved to go through these periods of feast and famine and the periods of famine were actually beneficial for us and healthy for us. And so again, there's evidence showing that burning calories for fat and having ketones present in the bloodstream um, has impact on lowering inflammation in the body, which drives a number of diseases. We know that inflammation can drive dementia and changes in the brain um, from depression to vascular dementia. And so the simple presence of ketones in the bloodstream is anti-inflammatory. It's also, there's some evidence in animal models that uh, there's import for longevity. And there's some interesting research showing that having the presence of ketone in the blood uh, helps us fight off cancer. Um, and so that's really exciting. And it might be a clue into our evolutionary background, right? And so, all right, now you live in, you know, uh, I live in New York City, you live in LA, we live in, you know, United States in 2018. And for most of us, um, we are, you know, overfed and undernourished, but there is an abundance of calories. And so we are never, ever, ever going into a state where we're not burning carbs for fuel, we're burning fat. And it never happens. And maybe missing out on that is actually driving some of our metabolically driven diseases, which we know that many brain diseases are metabolically driven, even it seems Alzheimer's. So by getting into a state where you're burning fat for fuel is not only good uh, in the moment or in the short term for things like mental clarity, which a lot of people say they experience um, while on a ketogenic diet or even with intermittent fasting. Um, not only good for energy, not only good for weight loss or weight maintenance, not only good for, uh, you know, maintaining weight, but it's also good potentially long-term in terms of fighting cancer and long-term brain health. And so I always say, start with intermittent fasting. Ketogenic diet is quite difficult to do. Um, it often, you know, most of us don't eat a diet that is comprised of at least 70 to 75% of our calories in a day from fat. And to get into a state of burning ketone or burning fat and making ketones on your own, you not only need to do a ketogenic diet, you need to usually start that ketogenic diet with a fast. And so often people will kick it off by 
only having water or coffee, say, for a day or two um, to burn through those carb stores, remember, kind of their own intermittent fast, and then they go into what's known as a state of nutritional starvation. And that sounds really confusing and weird. Wait, nutritional starvation, what does that mean? Well, that's just what a ketogenic diet is. It means you're eating nutritional, you are intaking calories, but because such a high percentage of those calories are from fat, you stay in a state of burning fat for fuel. You don't bounce back into burning carbohydrates. And so a lot of the folks who are drinking high-fat coffee at Parsley, we have a recipe called Morning Glory Coffee, which is a vegan version that's blood sugar balancing because it includes cinnamon, and there's also bulletproof proof coffee, which is quite famous. The goal of the high fat coffee is this is something that you can, you know, drink while you're on, while you're intermittent fasting or while you're on a ketogenic diet because of the calories present in that coffee of what is there. Cause ca- coffee on its own is extremely low to zero calorie. Um, those calories are from fat. And so it won't interrupt your body's ability to burn fat for fuel and therefore to make ketones. And then, you know, beyond that, there's also even evidence that just taking ketones, so you can buy them, um, people, supplement companies make them, uh, and just even having ketones around, even if you're not making them yourself because you're burning fat for fuel, because you're taking them what's known as exogenously or from the outside, there's even research showing that that may confer benefits. So I think we're early days with us. Um, you know, people always ask, oh, well, should I do a ketogenic diet like forever or for long term? And I would say no, simply because we don't really have any evidence that staying on a ketogenic diet for an extremely long period of time, we're talking months and years, is necessarily beneficial Um, unless you are actively fighting cancer, in which case there may be benefit to that. But I do often have patients, non-cancer patients who see benefits, you know, short-term benefits and are interested in the long-term benefits of a ketogenic diet. And they might do that diet, say one week out of every four, one week out of every six, or even one week out of every three months. And we're seeing really interesting benefits, again, from weight management to energy to clarity. I've even seen migraines clear up. I've seen acne clear up. Uh, I think there's an interesting effect on the microbiome when you uh, eat a high fat diet or do intermittent fasting. So I think there's a lot we don't know, but I think that it's quite interesting and there's a lot of promise there. Yeah. And and just like you said earlier, more important than anything, from all the evidence that we have in our past history, we know that you know we're just simply trying to replicate the state of living that our ancestors were in. So that probably was a good thing. If they didn't have food all the time, it's probably a good thing for us now too, because that's how our bodies evolved. Exactly. So just to kind of summarize this couple components for some takeaways is that ketogenic diet, more advanced, you know, consider potentially working with like a practitioner for that. Intermittent fasting, something accessible that people can ex- experiment a little bit on their own. Um, and of course, it's always still nice to you know work with a doctor if you want to di- dive deeper. Absolutely. So let's continue. You know, I think these themes are all starting to file under this category of this modern term that's uh, come into our lexicon, which is biohacking. And recently, I've seen some videos, and you've done some press to really take this word that can be very intimidated, biohacking, and make it very understandable and translatable into people's life and and schedule. So what's your definition? Everybody has different definitions of biohacking, but what's your definition of biohacking? And what are like three simple ways that people can get started exploring down that pathway? Yeah. 
So I love biohacking and I, and I agree. It's sort of a funny word. It, it come, the idea of hacking comes from the tech world, hacking code. Uh, and then we add bio and we apply it to our bodies. Right. And I think that in and of itself, that terminology can make it sound a little intimidating. Uh, you know, biohacking grew out of this, you know, stereotypically, um, male Silicon Valley culture where the goal was to optimi- optimize absolutely everything about your life um, and have it be the most efficient and that and applying that thinking from technology to the body um, became popular. And I actually think that's really cool. But I think that biohacking is a lot simpler than that and it's a lot more accessible than that and you don't have to be a perfectionist uh, or seek to achieve, you know, less than 10% body fat, um, to be a biohacker. Uh, I don't think it needs to be extreme. And I really think that biohacking is just the principles and practices that help you achieve optimal health. And that can be different for everyone. Uh, when we think about some of the simplest biohacks, the ones that are easy, the ones that we all can do, the first one I think is hacking sleep. And I've spoken a lot about this. We have some great Facebook lives on the Parsley Health page on sleep. We have some great articles on our blog. And a simple biohack might just be going to bed earlier. And the reason is often if we stay up too late past 11 p.m. or so, although it's different for different people, we can get a second cortisol spike. We all think about that kind of second wind that we get if we stay up too late. And when that happens, it can really disrupt your sleep cycle and prevent you from having as deep a sleep, as restful a sleep, um, as you hitting as many REM cycles as you might otherwise. And so we found at Parsley, working with our patients who don't sleep well or who don't, aren't, don't feel rested on week, waking, like we all have that experience, right? You slept eight, nine hours and you wake up and you still feel exhausted and you're just like, what the hell? Like, why do I still feel this way? Um, and if you feel like that frequently, it could be a lot of things. But one thing that we found is a great hack is simply make sure you go to bed by 10 p.m. So um, going to bed a little bit earlier and waking up a little bit earlier can result in a much much, much better sleep cycle and depth of sleep and quality of sleep. Uh, and it might not be that you're sleeping more hours. It's simply that you're sleeping at a different period of time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one. Um, a second hack that we love is what we just talked about and just got into is intermittent fasting. Uh, it's really simple to do. Uh, when I, I do intermittent fasting two to three days a week, uh, and what I love about it is how much energy I have, how much clarity I have. I'm really not hungry, um, but I don't have nothing in the morning. The My hack for intermittent fasting, um, I love my espresso every morning. I am I have one a day, but man, I need that one. I am addicted to it, and I'm cool with that. There's a lot of benefits to moderate coffee consumption, um, including for brain health, so I'm very okay with my one double espresso a day. But what I do is I blend that up when I'm intermittent fasting and it just tastes more delicious when you blend it. There's no scientific magic to the blending. It's just the taste. Um, but I blend it with coconut oil and MCT oil and a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of hot water. And that means that I'm still intermittent fasting, but the fat that I consumed will mean that I'm still burning fat for fuel. And it really keeps me going. I feel great. And I've seen a lot of patients find that form energy, clarity, hunger balance, weight management, some very short-term things, right? Um, we're not talking about, you know, preventing some disease 20 years from now, but really immediately 
that simple biohack is something that they really benefit from. And again, if it, you try it and it does not work for you, um, talk to a provider, figure it out. It might not be for you, but it's certainly really interesting and worth trying. And so those are some of the things, simplest biohacks. And then other biohacks might be something as simple as taking a supplement. You know, there's we've all been told that nutritional supplements for a long time, especially by the medical community, only exist to correct a deficiency. Like if you're deficient in vitamin C, you'll have scurvy. Um, and that's really rare today and we don't see it anymore. And, you know, otherwise, why would you take vitamin C, right? Um, and we're not talking about using nutraceutical supplements to cure a disease. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but you can use a supplement not just to correct a deficiency, but as a therapeutic tool to achieve a hack. So one might be taking magnesium glycinate, which I take every night for sleep. Uh, magnesium glycinate is um, nature's natural calcium channel blocker, which means it's kind of nature's Xanax, but much milder than that. It calms the nervous system. It relaxes tight muscles. Um, you might not be taking that magnesium glycinate because you're deficient in magnesium, um, although many people incidentally are low in magnesium these days for a lot of reasons, but you might be taking it because it helps you feel good and it's a safe way and it's certainly a much better way of having a deeper sleep than taking a potentially addictive drug. You know, So there's numerous versions of that. I also have genetics and we test for these at Parsley Health. My genetics is I have two copies of the gene called variant for MTHFR. And that um, has a lot of implications in the body, which I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast on, and I'm sure you have and will. Um, but one of them is how I process neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine in the brain. Um, and I have noticed that if I take on a regular basis, either in my parsley rebuild shake uh, or through a specific type of multivitamin, if I take methylfolate, which is a methylated kind of folic acid, and methyl B12, which is a B12 but methylated, if I take those on a regular basis, uh, I certainly am notice a huge improvement in my mood. Um, I'm just happier. Like the world just looks a little bit brighter. And if I stop taking those things for a while, I kind of notice that I'm a little bit more irritable. Um, and that's certainly, there's a lot of science to back that up. Um, it's a quite, you know, known thing. So there's um, millions of people who have these variants. And these genetic variants I'm talking about, they're not mutations. It's not this horrible, terrible thing. Again, many people have them. They go on and live their healthy, happy lives. It's just that we're hacking our genomics a little bit and noticing that if we take certain types of supplements, um, we feel a different way. And so I would classify all of these things from shifting your sleep cycle to intermittent fasting with high fat coffee or not, um, to taking a supplement like magnesium glycinate or a methylated folate as really awesome, simple biohacks. And these are all things that like anyone can do. You don't need to be a self-tracking fitness junkie wearing 20 different quantified <laughs> self-trackers all day long, um, monitoring your every move to be a biohacker. Anyone can be a biohacker. Those are all great. And I, I think, you know, to piggyback off your uh, note about supplements, you know, doctors have uh, for many years, although a lot of people are waking up and the media might call like supplements like it's just expensive urine and you just pee all these things out and you don't need it in your labs. And I think important thing for our audience to know, and you could describe it better than anybody else, is that when your doctor gets your blood work back, first of all, they might not even look for a lot of the nutritional deficiencies in a standard you know, blood test. 
Um, and then secondly, the reference ranges that they often have are based on sort of an average population. The average population is not very healthy. So their determination of what a healthy vitamin D level is, what a healthy level of X is, or this nutrient or that is often lower, much lower than what the research shows us is there for optimal health. Absolutely. I mean, the reference ranges and the recommended daily allowances, people have to understand that those are set at a bare minimum. It's like, what is the bare minimum we can do to avoid a horrible disease like rickets, um, which is, you know, your bones are falling apart with vitamin D. But we know that the vitamin D turns on 900 genes in the macrophage, which is a white blood cell in our immune system alone. We know that vitamin D lowers inflammation. We know that vitamin D has implications for mood and immune health. Um, we know that different people in different populations in different parts of the world probably do better with certain levels of vitamin D and others do better with different levels. So just because you've barely met the bare minimum threshold of avoiding a horrible, horrible disease does not mean that you've optimized a level of a nutrient. And then separately from that, you know, we talk about nutraceuticals, uh, just to use an example, the research on um, certain herbal antimicrobials like berberine have been done at Johns Hopkins University and shown that they are as, if not more effective than antibiotics with fewer side effects for treating a condition called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which by the way, one of the symptoms of is often um, can be brain fog, even depression uh, and, and lack of energy. And so you know, why would you not use an herbal supplement that is truly a nutraceutical and has fewer side effect, negative side effects if it works just as well as an antibiotic? So I think, you know, do you all need to just be taking a random multivitamin? No, I actually don't believe in that. And at Parsley, we're pretty focused on tailoring any nutraceutical recommendations to you just the same way that we will prescribe a drug for you if we think it's absolutely necessary. Um, I definitely agree there's no point in taking supplements for the sake of supplements. But the question is, why are you taking it and in what context? You know, a lot of the recent research that came out, and we digress, but it's quite relevant to brain health, uh, is around fish oil. And people say, okay, taking a fish oil doesn't prevent heart disease. And it's like, well, yes. If you eat the standard American diet um, of a lot of sugar and trans fat and unhealth and lack of fiber, um, and too few vegetables and live a sedentary lifestyle, yes, taking a fish oil will not <laughs> will not be the thing that prevents your heart disease. I'm sorry to say, but it's look that is looking at a supplement or a nutrient and comparing it to a drug, right? And that's not how we think about fish oil. So again, I don't blanket prescribe fish oil to anyone. And in fact, we only use it in specific use cases. Some of the use cases for um, high dose omega-3 fatty acids, of which fish oil is a source, right, um, are actually autoimmune disease and rheumatoid arthritis uh, and inflammatory diseases where there's some great evidence that taking these supplements is highly effective. It's called fatty acid therapy. Um, we know that for achieving optimal lipid, lipid levels in the bodies, in the body, um, fish oils and omega-3 supplementation can be really helpful. We know that the average American eats a 26 to 1 ratio of omega-6 that fatty acids to, um, to omega-3, and that should really be somewhere between 2 to 1 to 4 to 1. And so getting that ratio improved by taking more outside omega-3 fatty acids because there's not as ready, many ready sources of those fatty acids in our diet 
is helpful for cellular health, for inflammation, for long-term brain health. So again, it's one, it's, it's all about the question that you ask. If your question is, does taking a fish oil supplement, you know, independent of doing all the other things that will cause heart disease, um, going to stop heart disease? The answer is no, of course not. That's ridiculous. Um, and if you look at it like that, then yes, fish oil will fail. Um, but if you understand how you're using omega-3 fatty acids exogenously, meaning taking them in from the outside um, through fish oil or sometimes through flax or other mechanisms, you can use it again as a therapeutic tool for a specific purpose and it can be quite effective. And so this is where you know this better than anyone. I mean, we, we both are fascinated by the research that comes out and we read everything and we uh, can get frustrated by the media's portrayal of things as black and white, right? Coconut oil, bad or good. Fish oil, right. bad or good. And these binary black and white ways of looking at things unfortunately don't work when it comes to as a system, really, I like to call it an ecosystem, um, as complex as the human body. I love it. Well said. I want to go back to lab testing, biomarkers, and kind of jump into that. That's an area that a lot of people have um, confusion on. So, uh, you know, ideally, we want people to seek out a functional medicine doctor, go to a center like Parsley, um, and we want them to really work with somebody who's who's trained and understands like what things um, to look for, what lab tests to do, what biomarkers to measure. I think one thing that Parsley is really known for is um, tracking patients' markers over the course of their journey. When Can you talk a little bit more about that and the work that you guys there do there? And what are the takeaways that if somebody doesn't have a functional medicine doctor or they live somewhere really far away, are there takeaways for things that you track that they can maybe encourage their doctor to start looking into or that they can figure out a way if, if they can start tracking these things um, independently or push for those tests in their area? So we're all about proactive testing at Parsley. And we look at a lot more biomarkers than a regular doctor. Because again, the question that we're asking is not, let's wait until you're really sick, give that sickness a name, and then manage it with a drug. Or if you're already sick, we'll say, all right, how can we help you live your way out of this illness if possible, or improve it significantly and reduce reliance on pharmaceutical drugs if possible. Drugs are helpful tools too. Um, or if you're not yet sick, how can we prevent you from becoming sick? So we do both of those things for folks with really complicated chronic diseases and folks who are pretty unbelievably healthy, but who want to be proactive about their health. Maybe they have a family history. Maybe there's folks around them in their community that they're seeing not doing so well, and they want to avoid that. Um, and so to do that, you have to be more proactive about testing than waiting for things to go wrong. And so, you know, there's a few tests that I recommend everyone ask their doctor for. Um, certainly a hemoglobin A1C, which is pretty commonplace these days, but not everybody's getting it uh, early enough. Far too many people, millions and millions of people in the United States have undiagnosed metabolic syndrome and undiagnosed type 2 diabetes because we're not testing. And the frustration of that is that if you catch this early, if you catch blood sugar imbalances early on, you can reverse them before they create damage to the body like blindness and uh, nervous system defects like neuropathy and um, inability to process blood sugar. And we could just avoid all of these problems if we got a hold of it earlier. So, you know, a fasting insulin, meaning the insulin that level that you have first thing in the morning, 
um, a fasting blood glucose and a hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-month look at your red blood cells. It's essentially looking at the red blood, red blood cell and asking how much sugar is coating the red blood cell. And the answer should be very little. But if you've not been handling your blood sugar very well over that period of time, there's going to be um, more sugar, kind of like a frosted flake, um, coating the red blood cell. And that's an early sign um, that we have a problem. It's also how we track um, the, the progression of you know, both type one and type two diabetes. And so those are three things, fasting glucose, morning glucose, fasting insulin, hemoglobin A1C. And if those things are off or um, indicate that there might be a problem, uh, you know, you then want to do a two hour glucose tolerance test to really dive into it, which is a functional test where unfortunately you have to swallow this pretty gross sugary liquid. Um, you know, they do it also during um, pregnancy to look for gestational diabetes. So I've had the pleasure of um, downing that nasty stuff, uh, more sugar probably in that one moment that I'd had in like a couple months. But, um, you know, it then they test, test your blood sugar um, and insulin over a couple hours, and that can really be instructive. And so that's that's just a big one. So many of our diseases, including dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, cancer, are diseases of metabolism. Um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is the number one cause of infertility in this country, metabolic diseases because we are not living like our ancestors. We're living on sugar um, and refined carbohydrates. It's the bulk of our diet and we're not moving very much. So as a result of that, we see the confluences of these chronic Western diseases, cancer, cardiovascular disease, neurological disease, and even hormone imbalances, which actually don't get enough attention. I often hear podcasts with um, not to call them out, but male scientists or biohackers or doctors um, who talk about the cardiovascular um, cancer effects and neurological defects, effects of metabolic disease, and they skip over the hormonal effects um, because they tend to show up less in, in men than in women, or they should tend to show up later and, and be less of an issue in men. But you know, infertility um, is a huge issue, and, and polycystic ovarian syndrome and other issues with female hormones are an even bigger issue. So endometriosis. Endometriosis, exactly. So, um, and then autoimmune disease, which again, 78% of autoimmune diseases in women, um, but that inflammation can be driven from a metabolic source. Um, so looking at blood sugars, number one. Number two that I recommend uh, for everyone looking at a vitamin D level, um, vast majority of our patients, even our members in sunny LA, um, are often vitamin D deficient, way below the even sort of paltry standards of the reference ranges. Um, and that has import for immunity, um, bones, inflammation. Um, and then inflammatory markers. You know, very few people, people will be in pain, that they will have um, chronic inflammatory conditions and no one's tracking inflammation. And inflammation can be a tricky thing to track. Um, we have markers like ESR and HSCRP. Um, these are easily available, ready, av readily available tests, and they can, you know, be off and they get missed a lot. They don't get tested for uh, at all. And now they're not the only ways to measure inflammation. And there are types of inflammations that don't show up with those markers. So none of, you know, people also have to remember that biomarker testing at large is not perfect. Um, no technology is. And, you know, we're still at a point in human history where a lot of these tests are frankly pretty basic. Uh, and I'm sure in the next few years, even we'll have many more sophisticated markers that we look at. Um, but ways to look at inflammation are really important. So um, your blood sugar markers, your vitamin D 
certainly your, um, you know, these other markers that I'm mentioning, inflammatory markers. And then we routinely test nutrient levels, B12, RBC folate, um, RBC magnesium. Um, We are looking at um, thyroid markers. You know, one in eight women in her lifetime will be diagnosed with a thyroid disease, and often women are not getting tested. Um, So they're constipated, gaining weight, depressed, and achy, and they're told that they are, you know, just depressed and it's you're eating too much and, you know, it's your problem. And really they have hypothyroidism where they have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and it's completely getting missed. We test for thyroid antibodies in everyone. I can't tell you how many cases, especially amongst women, of thyroid dysfunction we catch. The reference ranges for TSH, um, thyroid stimulating hormone, um, are also considered really too broad in the U.S. Um, at Parsley, we look more um, at, a, at a functional marker, which is a more aligned with the European Union data on thyroid and consider a smaller reference range normal. So these are just some of the tests. And these are all, we haven't even talked about the type of testing that we do around genomics, microbiome, toxins, heavy metals. Everything I just mentioned is something that you can ask your doctor to test you for and should be really you know, easy and from any basic lab can do any of the tests I just mentioned. And, and with the caveat that, you know, like if you go on WebMD and most doctors who have not had training in nutrition or have not had training in more like advanced biomarkers, you know, you could have a vitamin D come back as like 23 and they're like, okay, great. That's in our normal range. If you go on WebMD, the range is 20 to 50. So they right. definitely can run these, but sometimes you might have to be an advocate and you know go to like the Parsley blog or research a little bit. Uh, Dr. Hyman's written this guide called "How to Work with Your Doctor to Get What You Need," where he talks about you know what are the normal reference ranges and really what do we consider optimal. Just as you were uh, sharing earlier, exactly. I mean that's a huge one. A vitamin D of twenty is not okay. Um, so you know you definitely. Nor do we necessarily need to shoot for very high levels of things, right? The, the American tendency is sometimes more is better. Uh, and that's not true either. You know, the body is this complex system. Um, we talk about, about balance in the wellness world, right? And in the body, well, balance has a fancy name called homeostasis. Um, but what that really means is that the body's always in a seesaw. It's always in this pendulum swing kind of between two points. And it generally likes those two points to not be too far away. So in the body, there's always such a thing as too much and always such a thing as too little. And this is where, again, we recommend working with a provider. There's a lot of direct-to-consumer tests out there now. You can test your own this or that at home. I'm all for that, actually. I'm really a big, big advocate of you owning your health data, you being in the driver's seat, you being able to get testing if you want it. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of those things, although a lot of doctors aren't and are very fearful of them. Um, my only caveat to that is that I do see a lot of people get these tests done and they have no idea what to do with the information because these companies aren't usually doctors and they're not your doctor. And so they, they're not going to recommend anything. And you also want to make sure that a recommendation you're getting isn't like generic recommendation for Joe Smith. It's recommendation specific to you. And so a lot of folks then bring those results to us and ask, well, what does this mean? Even as something as simple as a vitamin D level, it's like, okay, well, what is what is my goal and what type of vitamin D should I be taking? Um, and so on and so forth. And so, uh, and then what about retesting? People always forget to retest. They sort of test something, mm. learn something, and like never test for it again, which is why we've built this tracking system at Parsley to track your symptom score, to track your biomarkers, to track outcomes. 
because like, what's the point if we're going to just do it once and never see you again? Um, the body is dynamic. The needs that you have this year may not be the needs that you have next year or the year after. Um, so yeah, I'm just all about DIY it if that's what you've got to do, but then definitely try to get some expert advice that's specific to you personally, if you can. One component in wellness that, uh, we touched on a lot during broken brain, especially in the last few episodes was how community can be medicine. Community can help us out. Community can play a strong role in our health. And there's this whole emerging field of sociogenomics. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, Dr. Berzin, because uh, with all the patients that you you know see that come in, I'm sure their sort of immediate focus is, okay, how do I fix what I eat? You know, how do I focus on my supplementation? And you know, now obviously we're talking more about sleep and exercise, but community doesn't really get a lot of attention. How important is community when it comes to our health? You know, it's it's essential. The social de- social determinants of health are stronger than the genomic ones, right? We know that, and. Um, we know even more than that, that the science of epigenomics, um, which is this idea that, okay, yes, you get the genes you're dealt at birth. They are your genes. We're, today, it's not commonplace, at least for most of us to swap them out, um, although that technology is coming. Um, but what the genes you have are not necessarily the genes that are turned on and working. Um, so we know that the science of epigenomics is a science of which genes are turned on and off in real time. And we know that that changes all the time and it can change on based on taking a methylated type of B vitamin. Um, It can change based on the weather. I love this example. Uh, They did research around the squirrel, Um, like your common, you know, park squirrel or forest squirrel or whatever. And the squirrel's metabolome, which is the genes that are turned on that govern metabolism, are completely different in the summer than the winter. And I love that because of course they are. What a squirrel needs to be doing metabolically in the summer when it's warm and it's got lots of food around is quite different than what it needs to be doing in the winter when it's scarce and it's um, trying to conserve energy and there's not a lot of food around. And so the genes that are turned on in those two seasons uh, are different. And so we humans are not actually that different than the common you know, park squirrel um, in some ways. And the environment that we're in, including the weather, has a big impact. Um, and so our bodies are smarter and sensitive to, and more sensitive to the world around us than we realize. And that come that is true of emotional health and relationships as well. We all know that not only can you know the heavy metal mercury be toxic to the nervous system, we know that sometimes our relationships can be toxic. Um, we all know how we feel. And it's a true feeling. It is a physical feeling when you interact with someone who lights you up and makes you feel great. And when you interact with someone who makes you feel down and drained. And a lot of us ignore that and we blame ourselves. Um, But, you know, when you have an emotional response to something, there is also always, always a corresponding physical response and a neurohormonal chemical cascade. And so we know that our relationships have profound effects on our bodies and that the mind is one of the most powerful tools that we have to affect change in our health, which is why at Parsley, 
um, we take mental health and relaxation really seriously. So first of all, we ask you and your intake about your relationships, your mental health. Um, these things are not, you know, in conventional medicine, we've kind of put mental health in one bucket and physical health in another. And we act like the mind and body have a concrete wall between them and they don't talk to each other. And that's really obviously quite ridiculous. Um, so we talk about mental health, emotions, spirituality. We prescribe meditation to almost every patient and our members get free access to some of the top meditation tools like Headspace. Um, our members actually logged over 100,000 minutes on Headspace last year. And we make sure that you are taking care of all of you. Um, and we think about the body in terms of an ecosystem. And that ecosystem includes your relationships, your environment, your food, your exercise, the chemicals that you're exposed to, as well as your genes. And I think truly in science, we're at the tip of the iceberg of understanding something like sociogenomics. Um, I think, you know, to be able to track how, which genes are turned on in real time, to be able to see what if you could see lit up on a screen, the genes that are turned on when you're around somebody who stresses you out versus you're around somebody who makes you feel great. How insane would that be? But yeah, I, I do, we have I all these terms that, like being around this person just leave me drained or made me feel really heavy. You're, you're also saying that like that happens on a genetic level. It does. It happens on a genetic level. It happens on a chemical level. It affects your microbiome. We know that stress changes the um, makeup of the bugs that live in your gut. So that's another part of the ecosystem um, is the micro ecosystem that we don't see, but we're, you know, we're, in, we're dependent on. And so I don't know. That stuff fascinates me. I think it's so cool. I think we're in the beginning of the dawn of a truly new era of personalized medicine. You know, at Parsley, we we are leading and meeting that era through everything that we track, through the way that we look at the whole person and their personal ecosystem. Um, I don't know anyone else in medicine who's doing it. And but I also don't feel that it really could have been done, you know, many years before now. Um, we didn't have the technology. We didn't have the data analytics. Um, we just didn't have the power to look at things in this broad of a way. And we're starting to, right? We won't, we're not we're near where we will be, but I think it's very exciting. Yeah. I think the work you guys are doing is really incredible. And I, I want to talk a little bit about this because, you know, we really need this revolution in, in medicine and this accessibility. You know, so many people have insurance and they feel like, great, I'm so thankful I do because if I get into an accident or I break my arm or I have... You need a life-saving surgery. Western medicine is great for that. But a lot of people go to their doctor and just, first of all, it's rushed. They don't feel like they get the time. They can't ask the questions they want. And even if they do, there's this feeling of like, I don't really feel like they understand what my goals are. They tell me sometimes things in my head. They have, you know, unless if I'm straight out celiac, they think that the whole idea of like food sensitivity is like crazy, right? right. It, it can vary widely. Um, you know, I, at the beginning of the podcast, I had mentioned how Parsley received this uh, $10 million in funding, which we're so happy for and we're so proud of you. Dr. Hyman and I both are proud to say that we are invested, uh, investors in, in Parsley Health and really celebrate the success of you. I, wanna, I want you to sort of explain a little bit more like, you know, a lot of folks know that we have many functional medicine doctors that we link to and reference to, you know, their, their clinics, but what Parsley Health is doing is a little bit different than the other clinics that are out there. Sometimes the clinics, they, a lot of them do really great work. It can be very expensive, not the easiest to get in. Talk a little bit more about Parsley, the model, uh, you know, where you have locations and how people could look up, um, you know, working with you. 
Thank you. Yes. Well, I'm first of all, just so grateful and thrilled to have you and Dr. Hyman involved with us at Parsley. It means the world to me. Both of you inspire me all the time. And Mark has been an incredible mentor. Um, many few people know that I spent a few weeks uh, up at the Ultra Wellness Center many years ago, shadowing and learning from him. And I will forever be grateful for that experience. Um, very few people can call themselves so lucky. He's one of the great physicians of our time and to see them, to see him work in the flesh and do his thing um, was pretty awesome. So we are very excited about the new round of funding um, and the, the really the statement that it makes from the investor community, uh, you know, the statement that it makes it for healthcare. Uh, I'm just so excited and we're really excited to continue to grow what we're doing. We, we are building a new healthcare system. And so what that means is that primary care is really broken. It's a revolving door of short visits, prescriptions for drugs, referrals to specialists. Not a lot gets done at that level. And that's not because doctors are bad or, or want that to be the case. In fact, it's really because of the way that our system is structured and the way that financial incentives in it are structured. And it's a shame. Um, and so by operating independently, we're able to create a primary care service that's actually designed around you um, and aligned with you. And that is modern, that is accessible, uh, that is technology driven, that is focused on positive outcomes, which means making you well, getting you better, not just seeing you more, right? The current healthcare system gets rewarded the more you use it, not if you get better. Um, and that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's just how it is. And so um, we're really excited to have the opportunity to do this differently, to bring functional health to everyone. I agree. There are so many incredible functional doctors um, out there and more and more every year, you know, taking it on upon themselves, doctors who are trained in internal medicine, family medicine, all sorts of specialties. And they go to the Institute for Functional Medicine and other places to learn functional health on their own dime. Um, and that's and, and to spend tens and hundreds of hours learning it. And that's awesome. But a lot of those private practices that are out there are they're just few and far between, right? They can only serve so many people. Um, they're not necessarily able to leverage technology to make the service more affordable or more efficient um, or get, make it smarter as it's used over time, which is what we're doing at Parsley. And a lot of them are really expensive um, and that, you know, only the very few can have this medicine. And so I observed that when I was practicing medicine in the space in New York City and I had co-founded a healthcare technology company, another one um, along the way. So I had some experience in that. And I said, how could we bring these things together and make this just the same, the primary care that everybody has? And so with that, a dream was born. And thanks to amazing people like you um, who supported me early on, um, I was able to create this company. And we have centers in New York City, Los Angeles, and San Francisco to date that we are going to be massively expanding um, in those three markets. Um, we do have people who fly to see us the first time in person. That first visit does need to be in person. Our first visit is 75 minutes. And then after that, continue with us virtually. Um, if you're not local to us, um, it's a little bit harder for us to be your primary care doctor. So if you live in another state or somewhere else, you do need to have your local primary care. Um, but for people who are in our cities, you know, we are their primary care doctor. And for 150 bucks a month, which is what we cost. Um, that includes all of your visits with your doctor. There are no copays. That includes all of your visits with your personal certified health coach who's on staff at Parsley and works with your doctor. There are no separate fees for that. 
and includes unlimited messaging online every single day of the year with your team, which is a level of concierge service that usually costs tens of thousands of dollars. And so for 150 bucks a month, which is 1800 bucks a year, um, you get all of this. You can use FSA and HSA dollars to make use of those. You can also, if you have out of network benefits, which a lot of people, some people don't, but a lot of people do with their insurance, you can get reimbursed for that. So there are ways to use insurance for, for what we do, but you know, for a lot of people will, will spend $5 a day on coffee and like not spend the equivalent, um, which is 150 bucks a month on a doctor, (laughs) (laughs) which always like makes me laugh a little bit. It's like, you'll spend $40 on a, on a spin class and $20 on juice and, you know, five bucks a day on coffee, but not five bucks a day on a highly trained doctor. Um, to work with you and help you optimize your health or treat your chronic illness and do all of this cool testing that we do. So our mission is really to to make this the standard of care um, for primary care, to really build something quite different that looks, feels, and works for you in a way that no healthcare service ever has. And this investment that we just you know, brought in is a way for us to be able to continue doing that work. We've already treated thousands of people. We have doctors in all three cities. We uh, already have saved our members hundreds of thousands of dollars in unnecessary specialty care, unnecessary medications. We've reduced prescription drugs seven times versus the average primary care doctor. So the average primary care doctor's visit results in a prescription for a drug seven out of 10 encounters, and we are one out of 10. So again, if you have an infection, you need an antibiotic, and we will prescribe that, of course, but we're not anti-drug by any means. Um, drugs are really important tools. But um, for many people with chronic conditions, we're help, uh, able to help them resolve those conditions without drugs or to often get off of medications or um, so gratifying. I just had a, a female patient who had had three miscarriages and was told she'd have to have in vitro fertilization, which is, you know, a pretty expensive and pretty big deal thing to go through. And while we're grateful that, that IVF exists, certainly, we were really excited that through working with us at Parsley, she was able to have um, a healthy pregnancy and she had her baby last week. Um, and oh my we gosh. Have countless stories like that, including completely resolving someone's autoimmune disease, getting people off of antidepressants, um, helping people put their irritable bowel disease like Crohn's and colitis into total remission, um, resolving chronic migraines that were there for 10 years. Um, so we're just, we have already have this awesome outcomes data that the technology we've built is allowing us to see. And so what we're most excited about is just being able to build all of, all of the stuff that we're doing to just make it bigger and better and more accessible. So that's the plan. Well, it's such an important need. And I think everybody realizes from across, you know, it's not working. The traditional sort of healthcare system is not really working for the patient. Even the doctors, as you mentioned earlier, they all have good hearts. They all got into this line of work because they wanted to make a difference. I was sitting with one of my friends um, yesterday who's a physician in New Jersey, and he was just saying that it's he feels so constrained by the insurance companies. He tries to run these additional tests and they push back on him. So even the doctors who want to do good by their patients sometimes just get so squeezed in the system. When we realize the system was never designed intentionally for health, then we step out and that's what you guys are doing, which is why I'm so happy you know, to tell our members about you, your work, and inspire people to come up with options. You know, We need more options in healthcare. We need more solutions because there are definitely times where you can do a read you know, Dr. Iman's book or watch a series like Broken Brain and make little improvements in 
at home, but there's plenty of other times where you really need to dial in and get personal. And so I just really want to acknowledge you, Robin, and your team for the incredible work that you're doing and really trying to deliver functional medicine at scale. Thank you so much. It's an, it's an honor to do this work. Um, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about, you know, business, business as impact, right. And, um, how lucky it is to work in a, in a job or in a role where you feel really good about the impact you're having on the world. Cause some people, you know, they don't feel bad about their jobs, but it's just not the nature of their job to, um, directly help human health every day or something the way that it is for you and Mark. And, you know, we get to do that at Parsley Health every day. We've already seen so many incredible success stories. And we're just excited, you know, to make something that's been so exceptional and hard to get uh, the norm, right? If this is everyone's primary care doctor, how amazing would it be? And, you know, it, it made me laugh when you just said about your friend and getting pushback from the insurance companies. It's like the insurance companies would save so much money if they allowed primary care to be what Parsley Health is and allowed us to be proactive and allowed us to do more of these tests and covered more of this type of care, they'd save billions and billions and billions of dollars on the back end. Um, it for us for a little bit more cost on the front end, um, peanuts really in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, if everyone practiced medicine like Parsley Health and brought that 70% of prescription of visits result in a prescription drug down to 10% like we are, that alone would save the system $270 billion in prescription drug costs. Just that. Crazy. And, and, and so it's like, it's a perspective shift, you know, but I think it's coming and, you know, I'm so excited to be a part of it. Nothing is a greater um, inspiration than being successful. And I think people can apply that to their own life. It's not just that when Parsley is successful, I think that starts to get people pay attention, but also in your own life, if you want to inspire people around you, the best way to do it is make changes, feel good, look good, be in a great mood, be happy. And people will come to you and say, Hey, you know, even people who may have, you know, ridiculed you before said, Oh, that's crazy. Why are you eating that food? Or why are you putting so much attention on this? They'll start asking questions because you're a walking um, example. Dr. Burson, thank you so much again for joining on the podcast, being part of this and continuing the conversation that we started in the Broken Brain series. Where can people find out more about you personally? And then um, how can they learn more about Parsley? Yeah. Well, it's again, an honor to be here. I'm so thrilled. I love having these conversations with you guys. Um, so thank you for including me. And absolutely, you can learn about Parsley Health um, just at parsleyhealth.com. You can learn all about our membership. Um, if you go to parsleyhealth.com slash connect, uh, you can schedule a free 15 minute call with one of our membership advisors. Uh, they will walk you through everything you need to know about Parsley Health, how it works, what it does. All of that information is of course available on our website, but people love to connect human to human. And we're all about a very positive human experience at Parsley. So feel free to schedule a call at parsleyhealth.com slash connect. And then you can learn more about me at robinburzenmd.com um, or follow me at robinburzenmd um, on Instagram or Facebook. And I look forward to connecting with all of you out there. Anyone listening to this I know is, you know, a proactive person who's investing in their personal health and wellness. And if everyone is like that, I think the radical change that we will see um, will just be massive. So, so exciting what you guys are doing. We can all be the change. Dr. Yep. Burzen. Thank you so much. Thank you.